From WCL Pure, this is One Ocean. Hey everyone, this week we're going to learn a lot. We're going to learn how surfing is empowering women and youth in under-resourced coastal communities, how small-scale fishing communities are being affected by a changing ocean, and in general, how Emmy Koch founded Beyond the Surface International, her nonprofit that you'll hear about in just a second. Emmy's roots are in Southern California, where she grew up surfing, even riding for Billabong for a while. But nowadays in her role as a Fulbright National Geographic Digital Storytelling Fellow, she's essentially nomadic. She works some of the year in Peru, she works some of the year in Vietnam, where she was when we recorded this conversation, and wherever else her work takes her. Emmy works in some of the most under-resourced communities in the world. These are communities that already don't have a lot and are now losing even more as a result of climate change, overfishing, and our changing oceans. And yet, Emmy is still full of optimism. She's full of energy and she's always an inspiration. Every time we catch up, I feel energized and I hope you pick up some of that stoke in this conversation with our WCL Pure Ambassador, Emmy Cook. Emmy, it's really great to connect and I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. You have such an incredible sort of background. You are a National Geographic Adventure of the Year. You're a former pro surfer. You, uh, you know, started a nonprofit. You've done all this amazing work. But I always love to ask, like, who are you? How do you define yourself? That's an amazing question. And uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I, to describe myself, I think I'm just someone who is really passionate about um, this interaction we have between being humans and the planet that we live on, and especially the ocean that is our, you know, biggest life support system here. Uh, so. I think I've found different avenues to explore that and I'm also someone who's really passionate about meeting people and getting to know them sort of beyond the surface. So uh, yeah, I, I do, I guess where no, I... No plug there at all beyond the surface. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I guess I am someone who wears a lot of hats, but I haven't really focused on the hat wearing. It's more of just the idea of like, oh, well, this enables me to live this passion of mine and 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 yeah so i think that's that's how i would describe myself well the thread that i think struck us and when i say us i mean our, our team here at wsl pure we are kind of you know looking at all of your background and and i know you and we have yeah. you know some some friends in common and all that but looking at all your background and seeing how what the common thread was between all these different hats that you wear mm -hmm. right and the one that we thought was interesting is how like this former sort of pro surfer because you were a sponsored surfer right for billabong yeah i was but uh billabong actually thanks to billabong i i actually approached billabong with the idea of using surfing as this tool for for you know social good and and yeah. you know through a sponsorship uh as opposed to you know me competing or anything like this uh i was on the lifestyle team so my lifestyle would be working with kids in these marginalized and remote, you know, coastal communities and using surfing as that tool. So it was actually thanks to Billabong that um, got, you know, beyond the surface off the ground. So, um, yeah, through their sponsorship, I was able to to really um, work with with these different communities. Yeah. And that's a thread we picked up on is that you used surfing as this way to empower and work with these impoverished coastal communities. And we just thought that was so interesting. And so I guess beyond the surface would be the kind of first step in that, that whole thing. So what, what is beyond the surface and, and how'd you get to the name? Cause I am curious, uh, you know, about what, what is beyond the surface? How'd you get there? Sure. Well, 
when I first started Beyond the Surface, it was just the idea of using sort of any standing or any leverage I had within the surf industry, the surf scene, because I, you know, I was, I was pursuing a career as a professional surfer and whatnot. But it was using, instead of just being, I guess, another blonde, blue-eyed surfer girl from California, I thought it was way more interesting to see how, um, you know, connect with kids who are participating in these grassroots surfing or um, for youth empowerment programs in these in these communities to get recognized or sponsored for their talents and I could sort of be the middleman I guess between the surf industry and these grassroots communities that are um, you know just focused on running their programs and uh, you know I could kind of um, help promote them Uh, so that's sort of the how it started and I I had met a group of skateboarders actually from this organization called Skatistan um, that uses skateboarding as a tool for for girl empowerment in Afghanistan. Apparently there's a law against women riding bicycles but not against skateboarding so I had met these guys and I was so inspired by them and I wondered if anyone was doing this with surfing Uh, and so I connected with these three surf clubs that were just kind of getting started, um, one in Peru, one in South Africa and one in India and I asked if they wanted anyone that could help kind of like promote the amazing work that they were doing. Uh, and so, you know, I was 19 and I, I was just so excited by this idea. Uh, and so I bought a book on like how to start a nonprofit for dummies. And I think I read the first couple pages and then I was like, oh, we need a really cool name. And so I, I like play on words. And so I was <laughs> just playing. wait, hang on. But Be- before you get into the name, yeah. I want to go back there. Yeah. One, one, the part where you were 19 when you started this, which is incredible. <laughs> and two, the part where you got the book nonprofits <laughs> for dummies but did you did you ever finish reading it or did you just do the first couple pages no i never actually finished reading it i mean I, i'd say <laughs> i'm a, i'm a really uh, uh i guess yeah i could describe myself as being very passionate and i and um you know people have diagnosed that as having adhd which i have tried to play in my favor but um <laughs> <laughs> you dove right in you're brave put it that way it's just bravery yeah okay so yeah. so you're 19 did you you went to college though and mm. i know this because you actually <laughs> went to school with my wife yeah, annie yeah. um i actually met annie right when i started beyond the surface actually so i had taken a year off from university actually to sort of figure out what I wanted to do. I, I, you know, in high school, I wanted to be a professional surfer. I think, you know, having some learning disabilities, uh, I was sort of, my hyperactivity was sort of um, in the classroom, you know, a bit dismissed and maybe, you know, they had asked me to settle down, but during, but, you know, surfing or or competing in surfing, it was like celebrated that I could move so quickly. (laughs) And so I thought, well, you know, I'd rather pursue a a career as a professional surfer than sitting at a desk. but I had a bit of a change of heart and I, I realized that, you know, I, I was in a socioeconomic position to be able to go to university. And you know, I had heard in high school that uh, there was a statistic that if the world was comprised into a village of 100 people, just one person in that village would have the opportunity to go to university. And um, I guess I got really excited by that <laughs> idea as well. So, so hang like, oh. on, hang on. I want to make sure we tease that out. Oh, so sure. you said... No, you're good. Uh, I just want to, that sounds like a really important point yeah. in your story and your change of heart, which is mm-hmm. you heard that out of a hundred people, only one of those people out of, on the planet would yeah. go to university. So 1%. Yeah. One person. And 
it that coincided with a trip that I did in or in high school to uh, you know growing up in San Diego. That's uh, San Diego, California, right along the border. Uh, I had not really gone to the other side of the border um, until I was in high school, and that was that really popped this bubble that I had, Southern California bubble that I had been living in, and. Uh, you know, just to see the poverty that was existing on the other side of this wall that was sort of out of sight and out of mind, uh, that that really struck a chord with me. And I remember being on the other side of the wall and looking over at downtown San Diego. And we were, from where we were on the other side of the wall, we were in a garbage dump that was actually a community, like people were living there. And I had just thought, wow, like I grew up over there. I was, you know, maybe 16 at this time. And I had never imagined that you know, within my even sight on the other side of this wall, people could be living in these conditions. And, and so that, that really, that really was the turning point for me. And I think I wrote just some really heartfelt college essays because definitely my SAT scores were not going to cut it. Um, and, (laughs) and I got into university and at first I, I was, uh, at George Washington University in the, uh, International Affairs School. So that was sort of the school for you know, channeling people into the State Department or a career in diplomacy. Uh, and was that because you wanted to work in politics? Did you think you wanted to go down that route or was it so that you could help people? What was motivating that? Yeah, so I was under the impression that uh, diplomats uh, were like humanitarian aid workers <laughs> and um, we, and that was, you know, this pursuit of, of okay, I'm going to save the world, you know? Um, but I think, you know, First of all, going to Washington, D.C. from kind of growing up on the beach was quite a shocker. And I also think that I zoomed way out before, you know, pursuing professional surfing. Uh, You're so focused on your career and it's really yourself and, you know, promoting your your passion and your sport and and all this. But your your world is sort of narrowed to, to kind of look at you. And I think when I had this epiphany of like, oh, my gosh, you know, there's a whole world out here um, and so much to do to for social justice and whatnot. Um, you know, I zoomed way out to see the whole world and all of its issues, and I totally lost sight of where I fit in that picture. So I ended up taking a year off to reevaluate, and, um, and it was actually, uh, you know, I went back to San Diego, but it was the first time that I was, you know, kind of out of the surf scene because I wasn't, I had taken time off from that. I was also now not a student, and so it was like, wow, like who, who am I really? And, and what, what do I want to do? I've got all this passion, but I don't know where to put it and what it looks like, what shape it takes. So um, it was during that time um, I, I met this group of skateboarders and that was actually in Nepal. You, you were in Nepal, right? Yeah, it was in Nepal. I had, I had worked a bit, just, you know, at some coffee shops. What a wild and- thing. You just keep going to places away from surf. <laughs> like you, it seemed, you know, like I'm going to go to DC. I'm going to go to Nepal, like just, <laughs> just far, far away, even though it's something you're passionate about. Yeah. And yet it, it's helped you on this path. Well, it's wild because actually in, in Nepal, we're kind of like the furthest from sea level is where I felt most connected with my passion for the ocean. <laughs> so, but it was there that I met this, 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 um, these, these skateboarders and, you know, they shared what they had been doing in Afghanistan. And I was like, wow, like, and it just kind of put everything in perspective of like, oh, well, this is me. Like, this is where I fit in this picture. And then I think, I think that you know, this could go into a different, you know, avenue. But I think that when people take what they're really passionate about and and they use that as a mechanism to do 
good and not from this standing of like putting you know I'm on this pedestal and you know I'm doing charity work it's not like that it's just like sharing like yeah let's go surfing and like you know from that camaraderie good things happen I mean we all have friends it's great when we're going surfing with our friends and and I think it's like so if you know you're really into knitting or you're really into like chocolate making or something like I think the coolest thing that a human can do is just figure out how to leverage that for doing something beyond <laughs> the actual act but but doing that as a mechanism to to leave the world a you know better than you found it okay so you then start beyond the surface international what is what is the core mission so our core mission is to engage local youth through the power of play creativity and science to address social and ecological issues that impact their fishing communities and the marine environment. So the fishing aspect came a bit later for me. It was really just focused on the surfing um, and coastal communities where these grassroots, you know, surfing for youth empowerment projects were happening. Um, but and you I, mentioned Peru, South mm-hmm. Africa, and India as your exactly. first three locations, right? Uh, yep, exactly. And this was sort of a time before Facebook or whatnot. So it was a bit difficult, I think, for these community-based organizations to really get their messages out and uh, you know secure sponsorships and whatnot. Um, but I had the idea that like, okay, well, I'm going to be... I, I went back to university and I, I transferred to Georgetown and I switched up my majors and <laughs> and uh, and I thought okay well during the school year I can um, work to secure grants or you know fundraise for these organizations and create like a little network and then that's what I approached Billabong with uh, this idea and then through Billabong support during the summers I could actually go and work on the ground with these organizations teaching surfing and and uh, and working with the kids to make their own, you know, GoPro had just come out. So we got sponsored by a GoPro. And um, beforehand, I was filming the kids on like a little Kodak, you know, waterproof <laughs> handheld <laughs> camera and, and getting hit by surfboards. And so it was great when GoPro came out because uh, the kids could film themselves. And that was also really, really cool for them and like empowering for them to, to be able to tell their own story. Very cool. And, and, and I mean, such great initiative for someone still in college and still trying to figure things out. I mean, I love that you just said, I'm going to do this and figure it out. And, you know, like I'll read part of the book and then just dive right in. Um, and so, so you've done work now with like Waves for Development, right? Yes. And, um, Surfers Not Street Children in South Africa, or is it a different group? Yeah, um, they originally were on Thombo and now they, um, they are, they're, um, Surfers um, Not Street Children, yes. Yeah, and then in India, the project is which one? Kovalam Surf Club. So my first summer, I was a sophomore, I, I, I went to Peru. Uh, the second, uh, as a junior, I went to South Africa. And then I kind of saved India to the end because I I thought I wanted to sort of be there a bit longer. And um, yeah, I ended up, when I graduated university, I spent a roughly two years <laughs> in India and working with the Globalum Surf Club, but also with a couple other surf, um, surfing initiatives there as well. Very cool. And I want to come back to your time in India, but I want to quickly hit on Peru and South Africa because yeah. um, I'm lucky enough to have also participated in Waves for Development yeah. and been in Libidos and volunteered there. And I think we found out about it. I think my wife found out about it through you probably oh, a long time ago. And it was on our radar. So we met you know, Dave and the team and yeah. we kind of were fans of what they were doing. Um, so 
what were you doing in each of these places? I mean, you know, it's engaging with the kids, empowering them through getting them in the water. Are you teaching them the local language? Are you teaching them about the marine ecology? What are kind of the activities? Yeah, so originally it was, um, I was also quite focused on getting girls uh, surfing, which it's, you know, it's difficult. They face a lot of barriers. It's, you know, the outside is more like a guy's territory and women are more in the household or, you know, learning how to cook or these sorts of things. So it was also engaging the girls to get them in the marine environment as well. Um, But we started to also do some different um, upcycling initiatives with the plastic pollution so um, it was it's really like a dynamic thing. It was it was accompanying the kids into the water and using some of my you know surf training to to engage them and help and help with their skills. Um, but it was also, you know, I, I think when parents give you their kids and, you know, you bring them back alive and happier than when they left the house like that really, really builds like a relationship with with families. And so. I think it was also really about community engagement and 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 just a chance to, you know, it, it was no longer like me coming in as this foreigner uh, to you know help. It was like we are a team and uh, families would you know we would eat dinner together and they would share with what you know what issues they were facing and it was an opportunity for me as well just to think okay this is like a solidarity like let's go figure out these solutions together so. Um, so yeah, each experience was a bit was a bit different, but mainly I was, you know, teaching surfing uh, and then trying to also start some ocean literacy programs. That's so cool. I I, I want to hit on two threads there. I want to come back to being a foreigner and engaging in the community, but first wanted to note the 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 girls in the marine environment and getting girls out in the surf and the outdoors. I mean, that was one that was so tangible for me in my mm. experience at. Labitos. There was one day, you know, we were doing surf lessons and you have all these young boys who are so amped and frothy to grab whatever surfboards they can and get out there. But the girls always seemed to hang back yes. and they kind of stayed on the beach or maybe they dipped a toe and it was very rare that they would really get out in the water. And that's where I was, this moment is uh, to this day, like such wow. a cool, proud moment seeing Annie go over and she just went, well, I'm not just going to give lessons to the boys. Yeah. And she just went over to the girls <laughs> and was like, Hey, do you want to do this? Can I help you? You know, mm-hmm. and just kind of engaging these young girls. And I have these amazing photos that oh. she just grabbed a couple of the girls and went off and taught her own little women's surf lesson, which I thought was so just cool. You know, the girls just loved it. They, you know, she was holding their hand. She was showing them that it was okay, that they could be, you know, uh, in charge of their, their themselves and go out and surf and have fun just like the boys. And um, I just thought that was one of the coolest moments. And I think that's so important, as we all know, like empowering women and girls is one of the best things we can do for the planet yes, <laughs> in general. Yes, yes. And we should just be doing it, it period, because it's the right thing. But yeah. um, it's also a really good thing for the planet. Oh, so it's, so it's cool. just important work. That's so, so cool. Yeah, no, I mean, really, if if when you said the word, you, you know, the words hanging back, like if that if 50 percent of your community is hanging back or hanging just inside the household like we're not gonna get very far we need like everybody on board and uh you know right now actually in lobitos like we have uh, really spearheaded this program with you know my um 
with with Beyond the Surface, and and uh, you know maybe this gets into a little bit later, but the evolution of Beyond the Surface, but also like our uh, participatory storytelling program, um, Coast to Coast, we're really focused on um, working with the girls there through this project called Women in Water. So the the way that we work, I should say, is that if if someone if if someone wants to come on board with Beyond the Surface and and do something, we um, usually ask like, well, what are you interested in? And and uh, because you know, I think if you want to see any social or ecological issue happening, like in challenge happening on the ground, like go to a, a small scale fishing community. Um, all of, they're experiencing like the probably the biggest challenges I think that humanity has faced in terms of climate change and depleting ocean. And whatnot. So, um, sure. two years ago, uh, Sarah Hauser, who's this incredible uh, professional windsurfer and just like the, one of my favorite humans, uh, she contacted us through the girls from the Changing Tides Foundation and, and asked, you know, she was coming down to Peru to compete in a windsurfing competition and she wanted to do something a little bit you know, be on the surface while she was while she was there. Uh, and so I asked, you know, well, what do you you know, what are you passionate about or what issues are you passionate about? And she had mentioned, you know, water sanitation and hygiene and and uh, and also engaging with girls. And so we from that conversation, um, you know, we went to the community and asked, you know, what, what sort of challenges are you facing in terms of, uh, you know, water scarcity and whatnot. And, you know, you've been to Lobitos, like it's a it's a desert. And so water super is super dry, super dry, so dry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like the desert just kind of like fell into the ocean. It's it's. And so water is sort of pumped into that community. But the way I sort of think of it is like it's sort of an afterthought because they are you know, it's a small scale fishery, maybe they're not contributing as much to the big economy. So, you know, they're kind of just like, okay, well, you know, they need water twice a week. But so, you know, and that water is, is, is not, is not potable. And so, you know, a lot of the families will either boil that water or um, just not drink as much water. A lot of the kids just drink like juice and it's usually like with a lot of sugar and stuff. So, um, we have this idea of, of pairing girls surfing classes with actually a, somehow addressing this issue about water scarcity. And so um, it, it's going back to your story with Annie, I think it's once you get a group of girls together and they've got just someone who is a woman who, who and it, you know, beyond the that we're so different, maybe with our socioeconomics or the way we look and whatnot, it's just this sisterhood, like this camaraderie of like, no, let's go in together. And because if, you know, the, the and the boys can be pretty, like, how to say, yeah, and they, they definitely do a good job of making it known that like in this machismo kind of way that like, this is our space. And for the girls, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I'll go back inside. Uh, and so, yeah, it, Women in Water were really like, a, it's like become this gender responsive um, approach to addressing the water. Um, you know, it's a crisis that that is a, uh, Lubitos is experiencing. And so um, we're able to work with the girls and their moms that are really in charge of uh, water management for a household. Um, and through surfing, the girls are, you know, finding their outer strength and also the kind of the inner strength and be able to be this these kind of change makers in their community. That's 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 fantastic. <laughs> it's such empowering work that you're doing. And I think it it will go a long way. It's one of those things that maybe it, it seems small scale, but it's going to have these kind of ripple effects where that community gets empowered and grows. And then the next generation and next generation continues to, yeah. to follow in those footsteps, hopefully. And we just, um, and I, 
Sorry, just to, oh, we only had four girls uh, interested our first, you know, two years ago. And now I, I just got a picture sent from my partner, Nico, who's there running the project at the moment. And he uh, and there's about 40 girls in this photo. So it's definitely. Yeah, it's so it's so cool. You and Annie definitely have to come back. I would love to. Peru is amazing. <laughs> um. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So you touched on a couple of things there and I want to come to come back to you. And one was sisterhood and the idea of, you know, putting a, a group of women together and, and empowering them. And I, and I do think in the surf world that is super empowering. It, it is typically a male dominated sport. And so, um, you know, I know oftentimes when Annie and I paddle out in a lineup, she's the only woman out there. And yeah. I can only imagine what that feels like mm-hmm. to be, ever be the only, whether you're the only woman or only, you know, minority, mm-hmm. uh, just being underrepresented is always tough. And so um, two things. One with that power of sisterhood, you went to India and you were part of a project that was pretty special. And it's kind of one of the reasons why we're talking, Mm. um, which was beyond the surface, the film, which is part of the WSL's transform series, um, that we're helping reshare that story. And two, the, the feeling of being that minority in the reverse, um, you know, for you going to India and being a, you know, blonde hair (laughs) surfer, you know, surfer girl from California. So I guess my first question is, how do you get in touch and how do you how do you create that relationship and trust with the local communities that you're engaging with mm-hmm. to to get them to say, yeah, cool, you understand me or we can work together or we trust you? How do you avoid that sort of dropping in and being like, hey, we're here to help, but I don't really know how to help anyway. And, you know, how do you how do you go beyond that surface level interaction? Mm-hmm. And then two, please do tell us more about the film. And, um, you know, people will get a taste of it through the Transform series. But yeah. I would encourage people to watch the whole thing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, to answer your first question, I I think what I've learned along the way is just going into a community, it's almost like you're going into someone's house, like they've invited you over for dinner. And you're so you sort of use the same etiquette as you would if you went, if you were invited over to dinner to someone's house for the first time, it's like the same sort of etiquette. And you, you, you know, you would never show up into barge into someone's, uh, you know, front door and just be like, hi, like, I think you should rearrange the furniture. Like, you know, oh, this food that you're cooking, you should do it a different way. Like you wouldn't. You haven't <laughs> met my mother. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally <laughs> seen her do both of those things, but it's with good intent. But <laughs> right. Right. So <laughs> it's not. Re- it's, she's just like, you know, have you considered rearranging <laughs> this? Because I think it would really in the sunlight. And blah, blah, blah. Right. 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 Um, but like, how okay. But anyway, yes. Most normal people would not tell someone to rearrange the furniture. Well, Continue. and like, how well did that go over? You know, did did they rearrange the furniture? <laughs> or <laughs> so you know, I I think that's the, definitely the first approach I I I I take and. And people like, you know, it's just we're just humans like and and for sure you can tell if somebody has ulterior motives or they, you know, and 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 definitely like local communities are are, are not 
you know, willing to just trust someone out, right? Because they, they have been through a lot. I mean, we're talking about, you know, coastal communities were the first to get impacted by colonialism and imperialism and whatnot. So there's just a long history there. Um, so, and as I mentioned, like, I think I've, I've always engaged with the community through like a trusted channel, whether that's a school uh, or it's this community project that has grown um, from the community. And so it's not just kind of randomly showing up and I'm sure it's showing up within a context that they already sort of trust. Um, but then trusting me as a, as a person, uh, I think that comes with, you know, taking their kids and and taking them to a place that in a lot of cultures is quite scary. And, you know, uh, many people in communities have drowned in the ocean and whatnot. So to take them and for the parents to see their kids just having the time of their life, like, um, and then coming back uh, home safely, uh, that definitely builds a lot of trust and rapport. And um, so I, I think that's the way that it's, the community has also seen me be on the surface level um, and also taking the time to like learn the local language or you know ask about the local food and 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 just take an interest in 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 things that have often been either exploited for tourism or um, uh, have just been kind of overshadowed I think I think that's a really special way to engage with people and from there I think people are also more willing to share uh, about some challenges that they're facing and and more in the like, you know, let's work on this together versus, um, you know, I'm going to tell you what to do. Um, yeah. So I say well, that well, that would be the first, my answer to the first question. And uh, yeah, uh, then tell us about the, the film and your work in India and how that led to the film. Um, yeah, we'd love to learn more. Yeah, yeah. So uh, after university, I was planning to go to India and uh, Crystal um, Thornburg Holmesy and I uh, were paired up to do um, like an interview in a surf magazine. I, f- I think it was, I forget which, it was a women's surf and dis- uh, magazine that unfortunately, you know, um, I think is no more. But, um, but that's kind of all <laughs> magazines, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. Sadly. True. Um, so for, for our younger <laughs> listeners, magazines were these things printed on paper. <laughs> they had picture glossy images and, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, they were delivered to your house sometimes, or you went to a surf <laughs> shop and could browse through them at the checkout. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, Crystal and I connected through this interview and then you know, I, I had heard about, um, you know, Sliding Liberia, the, the film that she had done with um, with her husband, um, Dave Holmesy, incredible cinematographer. Uh, and she had expressed her interest in, in India. And I mentioned that I was heading there <laughs> um, just in a, in a few months after graduating. And so we, we got to speaking and she had this idea of, of, of doing a film that uh, would invite, like, um, some pretty incredible water women um, to join her and, and come to India and um, see really the at that time you know surfing was really really just getting started and 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 blossoming in India um, and so to kind of explore that together uh, and so also um, looking at highlighting the Kovalam Surf Club so the surf club that I had been working engaged with uh, from afar for you know, for two years prior. Um, and so 
I would meet them there, uh, or they would meet me there, and I would join them um, for for part of that journey. And uh, so, yeah, so the, the film really talks about, I think, yeah, <laughs> seeing surfing beyond the surface and in a place, India, being just this incredible, dynamic, old, you know, spiritual culture um, that uh, and that is facing like a lot of challenges, like, like most places around the world. But um, but how surfing has transformed a lot of lives there um, and is transforming but- them. Yeah, and that's so cool. I mean, you know, India. Just from watching the transform version, you know, people are going to get a sense of um, how beautiful and how rich that culture is, and how amazing it is. Yeah. Uh, it's really the imagery is unlike any other surf film mm. you'll see because it's such a very different place. Um, yeah. But you know, I just think it's so cool that it it is showing truly how surfing transform can transform things or transform people. Um, and the Kovalam surf project looks really amazing. Do you want to talk a little bit more about their work? I got, I got a sense of it from the film, but I'd love to learn a little bit more about what you were doing with them or what they do and how they, you know, help get kids education and create a stable environment. Yep. So the Kovalam surf club was founded in 2005, um, by my friend, uh, Yali Riloy, who, um, actually, Actually, so the Kovalam Surf Club, I should mention, is part, it's under this nonprofit called Sebastian Indian Social Projects. And that's like a social welfare center in um, uh, that works with fishing communities, uh, this one called uh, Vihijam and the surrounding area of Kovalam. Um, so striving to improve like the harsh living conditions that many of the people experience. So they offer medical care and food support and micro credit unions and liter- um, literacy classes. but. They also uh, offer like a free education um, for kids who have dropped out of school for like a number of reasons. And so um, my friend Yale was there as uh, part of his social work studies um, and he spent most of his free time surfing, um, but he would see the kids uh, at the beach. And so, uh, you know, after after school and so. I mean, you know, every time he stood up, the kids would cheer and, and, and Yale then was like, well, you know, <laughs> I have, what about if I teach them how to surf, you know, they can borrow my board. Um, and he kind of had this idea to use it as an incentive tool. So, you know, these, these kids are not maybe used to sitting at a desk, sort of maybe like me, um, <laughs> hyperactive and whatnot. <laughs> so you could relate. I could totally relate. Um, and so basically no school, no surfing. So if these kids could go to school Monday through Friday on Saturday and Sunday, um, they could learn to surf. And so it went from five kids and like three beat up surfboards to like actually great equipment and about 40 kids um and it's so great amazing yeah it's amazing and uh so you know it's it's so cool with i with the film um beyond the surface like it highlights two of these kids uh ramesh and krishna and uh you know the power of social media and you know being connected now uh i just was <laughs> messaging with Ramesh um, a couple minutes ago, and Ramesh is now working um, as a surf instructor at the Shaka Surf Club, which is Ishita Maliva's and um, her her partner Tushar their surf club. Ishita, who who's in the film, um, so he's actually a surf instructor at their surf club. Um, and then Krishna, the other um, kid who's highlighted there, he's now a surf instructor in Mumbai at the Mumbai Surf um, School. So incredible that's so great it's so so I mean, cool here here you know youth who came up through the program who are now passing on surfing 
and empowering others to embrace that and hopefully that is connecting more people to the ocean you know again <laughs> bringing it back it's, to, to me it's all connected but to connect it for everyone you know it's really about connecting more people to the ocean and showing them that connection and and you know i love surf riders uh protect what you love mm. and protect and enjoy sort of mo and so it's it's not just about um, you know, protecting it. It's about also being able to, you know, use our waterways. And I think it's great that we're empowering or that you have been empowering these local communities who maybe wouldn't normally be out there in the water to get out there. Well, I think, you know, a lot of these communities, when they are out in the water, it's more that the ocean is sort of like a workplace because they're often, you know, all small scale fisheries. And so um, it's also sort of changing this perception of the ocean as sort of something we we take from and, and sort of engaging with it as a playground. And I think then exactly as you mentioned, like protecting what you love, I think that's where, where that nature play is really special. It builds a really a different sort of relationship with the marine environment. and. You know, and and also with with the Beyond the Surface film, you know, as you mentioned, like the visuals, like I mean, Dave is so talented, and and this film as well. I mean, it was filmed on film, and a lot of the kids in the Kovalam Surf Club and at Sispam, you know, they they come from what probably could be described as like a fishing slum. Like it's a pretty harsh, you know, life, and and you know they they come from a backgrounds of abuse, and it's it's a tough it's a tough existence, and. Um, uh, some of them are born without birth certificates. Um, like, you know, if, if we looked back at just documentation of someone, like they don't exist. And so for them to be actually on film, it was like they were forever like etched into, you know, history. <laughs> and Yeah, and, they're famous. Yeah, that's so cool. And, and I think that's also what spearheaded like my my idea with uh, using participatory storytelling and 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 actually to kind of bring it back full circle I right after this film I went back to Lobitos to Ways for Development um, my now partner Nico he was uh, facilitating this this workshop on participatory um, storytelling and and Dave from Ways had invited uh, you know a couple different people who had been with Ways back uh, for this workshop and so Nico and I got to talking and I was sharing about what I was doing with the kids with surfing and he was sharing what he was doing you know he was facilitating participatory audiovisual workshops with um, indigenous communities in Peru and and also um, you know kids from urban settings to tell their own story you know placing the camera in their hands and with the training to be able to to share their own lives from their own perspective and that really inspired me and and it was coming off of you know the beyond the surface film just seeing how the kids reacted to being you know um on video and so that's when this whole idea to start our storytelling movement uh, coast to coast came about very cool i love how it's come back full circle and you not only mentioning that but mentioning the small-scale fisheries that are really happening in sony's coast I think speaks to some of the work that you're doing now. I mm. mean, since since the film, you've now gone back to school. You're at Scripps and got a master's, correct? Uh, yes, yes, in uh, marine biodiversity and conservation. Right, and then you now are a Fulbright National Geographic scholar, correct? Is that your is that your full title? <laughs> I think it's a storytelling fellow. <laughs> 
storytelling fellow. <laughs> yes. Ah, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so, so what does that involve? All, all I know, and you, you're also a pure ambassador, so we can throw that in there. Thank you for representing WSL Pure. <laughs> Thank and, you. Um, helping shout it out. But um, what does that involve? All I know is that you're in Vietnam, you know, like working with uh, small scale fisheries there. You're also going back to Peru later this year. I mean, you're, yes. you, you haven't slowed down at all, it seems. <laughs> it's my um, ADHD. So what is the work you're doing now? With <laughs> what is the work you're doing now with, your, with these small scale fisheries and why are they so important? Why, why do we need to be working with these local communities and coastlines? Yes. So if you can imagine three billion people, so that's the population of India, China, and Brazil combined, uh, rely on fish as one of the, the primary source of protein. Um, three billion with a B on a planet yes. that is seven and a half billion. Yes, and uh, that is also, I think it's like 500 million people are actually like employed in, in fisheries, and so you know, I think that's everyone who would have a job in North America, if you think about that. So a lot of people rely on fish. Um, and, you know, if fish, it's crazy to think about. It's the last kind of wild species that we hunt, um, uh, you know, and, and I always think of it as like, you know, if, if you have a hunter that's going out into the forest to like shoot a deer, that's one person, you know, shooting an animal. But it's not like you take a helicopter and just like go with a giant net and capture all of these deer. But that's what we're doing to our oceans. I mean, we are depleting them so rapidly. Um, and half of all the global catches of fish uh, are, are uh, by small-scale fisheries, so these these people that are using fish as a either for subsistence, eating for subsistence, or for domestic markets. So it's really, really so, important. So fifty percent of all fishing is small-scale. You're saying fifty percent, and and wow, yeah, and and it's yeah, and it's it well of global catches, and then ninety percent of the fishermen like involved in seafood are small-scale. So it's only about ten percent wow. that are these big industrial boats and. You know, just to put it in perspective, I'm throwing out a lot of statistics here, but the U.S., we import 80% of our seafood from other countries. And Vietnam is one of the top, you know, four exporters in the world. And so we get a lot of, especially shrimp, um, um, but from Vietnam. And so I, from what I have learned from working in small-scale fishing communities, but through surfing, through storytelling and whatnot, I... I, I had the opportunity to apply for this for this fellowship program and it entails going I, you know I'm, I'm in Vietnam now and it's working with uh, small-scale fishing communities to understand how low fish availability so they're not being enough fish in the ocean how does that impact them socially and you know their their social and ecological well-being so for for fishing communities like fishing sort of um, buffers against, you know, extreme poverty or like food insecurities because, you know, at least you can eat and at least you can sell a little bit for some some funding. Um, so, definitely, fish play different social and environmental and economic and welfare roles for for communities. And so, my question coming here was really like, what is a fishing village without fish? Like, if you just take fish away, what what happens? Um, and often these have you figured out the answer yet? <laughs> oh man, I think. Uh, maybe chaos <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. um, but I you know that's my unpublished <laughs> opinion at the moment uh, right, we'll wait for the final paper yeah yeah it, it's yeah but it's it's quite striking just to see how fish is so interwoven into into um, communities and 
And I should just mention, like, what what really got me interested in fish and going back to get my master's and whatnot, we were, uh, with my partner Nico, we were doing a coast-to-coast workshop, uh, photography workshop in Indonesia with a surf club. And this one little girl came back with a photo of a plate of rice and a fried fish. And I asked, well, you know, what's your caption for your photo? And she said, well, you know, rice and fish are best friends, but fish doesn't come around as often. Um, and so rice feels very sad. And that makes me very Aww. sad. And I just did I mean, that honestly was when I was like, right. I mean, I'm the person that buys the, you know, nonprofit for dummies book and don't read. So I immediately applied for my master's in marine biodiversity and conservation to, because I needed, I just felt like I, I got to understand, like, we're actually talking about, you know, really pressing issues here. And so um, I'm exploring those in Vietnam, but with the affiliation with National Geographic, I'm using this technique called uh, photo voice. So photo voice is this uh, participatory community-based uh, research approach where you actually um, offer community members cameras and ask them, can you show me what this challenge actually looks like to you? Um, and so, you know, a participant will take a picture and come back and you will sit down with that person and um, just look at that image and dissect it sort of like, okay, so, you know, why did you take that picture? So, oh, and what I love about that is that people say like, see, now you see what I'm talking about or like now you, you can, you can know what I'm talking about. And also these are not exotic characters that I think often get portrayed in magazines. These are storytellers, like they, they have their own voice, so there are no voiceless people. Everybody has a voice, just some people speak louder than others and they usually have money and, and influence. So, you know, giving giving a camera... <laughs> Whatever do you mean? <laughs> so giving a camera to someone, it's almost like giving someone a microphone and it's great because with language barriers, you know, that it, they say, you know, a picture says a thousand words, so... Um, it's a really, really cool technique, and so I've been um, I've been working, I've been here since October, and actually I have to thank WSL Pure because when we did uh, our paddle out back, I think it was in August for um, you know plastic free seas. Uh, you know the WSL Pure had organized these different. Paddle- oh, in June. Uh, yeah. The uh, yes. big paddle out. Yeah. Yes, yes, June. yes. Sorry, it was back in June. Um, I. Uh, I had organized one uh, in California with my Scripps community, um, and then I thought, well, you know, these are happening all around the world. I wonder if anyone has done one in in Vietnam. And sure enough, uh, this water sports center called uh, Manta Sailing Training Center, uh, based in Mune, Vietnam, they had done a small paddle out. Uh, And so I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to Vietnam, like it would be ideal to be placed in a fishing community that also has some water sports and surfing um and so i reached out to manta and uh you know we connected through wsl pure and through this you know worldwide paddle out so that was just so cool and i'm actually here i'm skyping from i'm I'm here right now that's amazing i that story just like warms my heart it's so cool (laughs) we were so excited to see these paddle outs pop up around the world and i love that it created connections between surfers in our community um so i'm just i'm stoked on that i had no idea (laughs) that's so cool (laughs) yeah so 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 rad 
Well, Emmy, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for being a voice for the ocean. I mean, you're giving these these local communities a voice, but you also yourself are being a voice for the ocean and for these communities. And I think it's just such important work. Um, we have to all work together, uh, you know, at, at the highest levels of government and business and whatnot, down to you know the smallest communities and the people on the front lines of all the issues that are facing our ocean. So I think it's so great that you're out there doing that, doing it. And I look forward to seeing uh, the output of your work and. Um, <laughs> I, who, who knows what the next thing will be for you? I'm sure it's going to be something where it's a passionate question that you get excited about and you go, all right, give me a guidebook. I'm reading right. the uh, intro and then I'm going to dive in. I'm running for office, whatever it is. I might, I might need to scale that back a little bit, but yes, I, <laughs> but I just want to also thank you so much. I mean, thank you for this opportunity to be part of the WSL Pure Ambassador team. Like, it's it's so inspiring to see the WSL taking the initiative to, you know, start start doing these like connections and 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 using surfing at such that level to to create change. Like, so thank you. I know you know you're you're a, a small team there, and I so appreciate the work that you guys do and bringing people together for the ocean. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just what we have to do. <laughs> it's just the right yes. thing to do. We're just doing it. Um, but thank you. So yeah. Anything else you want to share? Um, that I hope everyone who's listening has gotten in the water today and, uh, yeah, enjoys, <laughs> enjoys the ocean. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Emmy, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone for listening. I hope, I hope it was, it was a nice uh, conversation. <laughs> Cool. Thanks, Emmy. Thank you. Thanks, Emmy, for such a fun conversation. We are really proud to have you as one of our ambassadors for WSL Pure, and we're so inspired by your work. If you want to see more of Emmy's story, go check out WSL Studios Transform Season 3, Episode 2, Beyond the Surface, and do go check out the entire film at some point, too. But the Transform episode is available now at worldsurfleague.com. It's linked to in the show notes. And I really encourage you to check out the rest of the notes for links to Emmy's NGO, Beyond the Surface International, as well as some of her other work like Coast to Coast. And go check out the amazing nonprofits we mentioned, Kovalum Surf Club, Waves for Development, my wife and I have personally volunteered with them. Uh, these are great groups out on the front lines in communities that could really use support. So check them out, volunteer with them, support them, be a human being and connect with other people who are in coastal communities, connect with others, share waves, have fun, do good. That's all I got. Catch you next time. <laughs>